Hey there, Laboogie listeners. This is a quick introduction to the fourth episode of the podcast, uh, this time featuring none other than an absolute icon of bodyboarding, Ben Severson. Huge shout out to Ben for having me. I managed to go around and visit him on the west side of Oahu recently and sat down for a can of coconut water and a good old-fashioned chin wag with an absolute legend. So huge thanks to Ben, and I hope everybody enjoys this very special episode of the podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Well, let's just let's just do this podcast the way it feels right. Uh, well, see, everything changes, right? When you no, turn no. the mic on. <laughs> Usually I've got something quick to say at the start. <laughs> but hey, I'm sitting here with Ben Severson, and he's now going to let you know where we are. Where have you brought me to? Uh, you're at my house in Makaha. Yeah. I've uh, been out here about 15 years. Moved um, from Wahiwa to here. Um, my wife's from, from the west side, so okay. that, that's why kind of how I ended up out here. Mm. Uh, but I used to come out here a lot and surf, even... Uh, even before we moved out here. Mm. It's a part of the island that doesn't seem to, I mean, I've been to Hawaii six times now. This is my sixth time here. And uh, this year was the first time I ever came around to the west side. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's been some competitions over here um, in the past and stuff like that, but, you know, do many guys from outside of Hawaii come around here? You Like, it's you know, pretty we get, rare? Yeah, we get, um, we get some Japanese come out here. Okay. Um, you know, we got the Buffalo's Big Board Contest, and that brings That's people right. from all over the world. That's right. And uh, it's it's pretty awesome. It's a five-day event, three days, and then... Uh, but, you know, they, they really embrace the waterman aspect of it yeah. with uh, canoe surfing, yeah. pipe boarding. I did that the other year. Um, Sick. You know, Is that in the Buffalo's competition? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And he does body surfing. Sick. So, yeah, they... You know, the thing I like about out here is it um, doesn't really matter what you ride as long yeah. as you're out there riding and charging. You know, if you're a kook on a surfboard, you're going to get shit just as much as you are if you're riding <laughs> a sup or whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So people are people are very open to all different aspects. Yeah. I mean, I managed to get a surf around here like last week and I did notice that there was, you know, you always get told... You know, the myth about the West Side is like, ooh, it's like... It's not a myth. No, it's pretty gnarly. Okay, it is gnarly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone seemed cool in the water. Yeah, Jay Real got his car stolen in Miley Point one year. Oh, wow. Yeah, he stashed his keys under the the wheel well, came back, his car was gone. So, yeah, no, there's... That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, there's... there's, You know, there's... Is my car all right out the front? Huh? Is my car yeah, yeah, in yeah, front? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, good. No, no, everybody, good knows, everybody knows us yeah, over good, here. Cool. So. Yeah, they just take advantage of people who don't, yeah, you know, yeah. who are who, yeah, creatures of opportunity is what my friend says. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, well, then the warning still sticks to yeah, the west yeah. side. But, yeah. I mean, in the water, it seemed pretty cool. I was, um, I met a few of the to the young fellas, young bodyboarders, and they were just kind of stoked and just having a great time. And, yeah, yeah um, we have a real kind of... You know, it's really organic, the bodyboarding community out here. You yeah. know, they just, everybody starts out on bodyboards when they're young and, yeah. you know, and they end up back on them when they get old. Yeah, You sure. know, I got a lot of guys, they have back problems. Yeah. They come by and get, grab boards from me. Um, so, you know, whatever keeps you in the water, I think is really, that's what's important. 
And what about yourself these days? How how often do you get in the water? Uh, it depends on the waves. Like yeah, I'm, sure. I'm pretty spoiled. I, I have a hard time surfing, you know, two-foot slop. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I do travel outside of Macaw a bit to get some waves. So, um, How far do you travel? Um, I go off island. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, I got a place where I go and... Um, you know, I surf with my friends and, cool. you know, we get, when we get good waves, we get it all to ourselves. And that's that, great. Yeah. And out, cool. out here, dude, you know, it just depends on the swells. Um, you know, all summer I surf Yokohama. Yep. Um, and we had really good summer this year. Uh, winter time, you know, there's a, the bigger the waves are, the better it is out here. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot, you see a lot of people coming out here when the North Shore starts closing out and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Well, that was my call. I mean, it's a different, it's definitely a different side of the island. Like, it seems a lot drier over here. Yeah, Is that it's the leeward, oh, yeah, it's the leeward side, yeah. 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 Totally just like, it's like going to another planet oh, yeah. almost. When it, you cross no, over. yeah. The whole island is like that. Every every yeah. different side's got its own thing. Yeah, it's kind I of I mean, like in summertime, too, over here, it's just hot. It's like, oh, it's, yeah. it's gnarly. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy. But um, we were just having a chat before we started, but like, this you know, this area of Makaha on the west side, This you've been here the last 15 years, but you're, you you mentioned, like, so you grew up actually in town yourself. Yeah, I actually learned how to surf at Waikiki Walls. Yep, okay. Um, Kichisaki, Kainomagi, yeah. Kevinokomura, um, and a bunch of the top surfers, too, yeah. that all grew up. So that, that's kind of the breeding ground. And it was, um, at the time, Waikiki Walls is segregated it's for no surfboards so we had uh-huh. so when i grew up there was pipe borders yeah right. so I, I grew up as a surfer i started yeah. surfing um i got my first surfboard at eight years old and i you know i didn't really get into bodyboarding until high school like my junior sophomore year junior okay the, you know when we started getting boards from more boogie yeah, and yeah, that yeah. sort of thing because before that it was you know, like my dad had a one of the I don't know if you ever heard of them spoons. Yeah, they're like a kneeboard. Yeah, George yeah, yeah. Greeno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would ride them. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so I, you know, I played around with all those many different toys as I could. Yeah. You know, could get. Cool. It sounds interesting. I'll just pick up on that because it's pretty rare when you hear someone say that they started on a surfboard and then went to a bodyboard. It's yeah. usually the other way around. Yeah. Well, I never just went to a bodyboard. I just yeah. added bodyboarding to what I do. Because sure. I body surf and I, yeah. I shortboard, I longboard. Yeah, right. And so to me, it was just another toy in the tool in the toy yeah, chest. Sure, you know, sure. You know, but it's the, one that took you on a bit of a journey. Yeah, that was uh, totally unexpected. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I was uh, coming out of high school. I, I went straight into lifeguarding. You yep. know, I got a job at the Manoa Manoa pool uh, when I was 17. I graduated mm-hmm. early, and yeah. then um, then I went straight to work for the city and county. Yeah. And. Um, that was my career. I was there, and then it just kind of, you know, I got a contract from Mori Boogie for 100 bucks a month. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I just found the contract, actually. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I have to auction it off. That's great. <laughs> um, was so, that a big deal at the time, though? I know you kind well, of make fun no, of it now, but like, oh, yeah, no, it would have been amazing at the there time, was, right? I mean, there was four people on a contract. Kisasaki, Pat Caldwell, myself, and Mike Stewart. Yeah, right. And those, you know, those are the only paid bodyboarders in the world That's at the crazy. time you know so but i mean you know you're looking at it 100 bucks a month you know and all all the boards you can eat and yeah. so you're just like well it's probably not gonna go anywhere or do anything but yeah i guess i was young and dumb enough to think oh fuck 
Well, they're taking my picture. I think maybe I can make something out of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. When and how did it evolve? Like, I mean, the hundred buck a month deal. That was when you were what in your teenage years still. No, that, that would have been. Then? Yeah, that would have been like around eighty-two, eighty-three, yeah. something around there. Okay. Eighty. Right. But then it kind of escalated pretty quickly from there, right? It, it um, you know, it really escalated when um, the um, PSA tour started up. Okay. And um, that from that time we had our our regional Hawaii or mainland sponsorship base really grew. You yeah. know, I was able to secure a contract with um, with Body Glove. Yeah. Um, you know, I had contracts with Locomotion, HIC. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really hard to get clothing contracts back. And then, you know, they just just kind of just kept, you know, going. And it got to a point, so I lifeguarded for five years. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, can I be just, like, on call? And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, perfect. Yeah. And then at a certain point, I just stopped calling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. So you never okay. know how it's going to, yeah, I just... And was that a bit of a leap for you? Like, cause obviously, the sponsorship, the the ability to just focus purely on the bodyboarding mm-hmm. as an actual profession became right. more and more obviously apparent. But what did you? Were there was there any reluctance from you at the time to go on call as a lifeguard, or was it or was it a very easy? Switch? Well, yeah, I was never like full time, so the, okay. I would get scheduled, you know, two or three, four days a week. Yeah, and then, um, and then. Um, Luckily, my bosses would let me work all over the island. Yeah. So I would get up Dawn Patrol because we didn't know what the surf did. We didn't have the surf forecast nah. like we do now. I used nah. to listen to the weather radio. Yeah. Go, fucking, there's a swell. It's going to be here in about three days. And yeah. So I'd get down to the beach, and if the waves were crap, I'd get on the phone. Like, hey, I'm out on the North Shore. You got any work? And, yeah. You know, go, oh, yeah, go to Aokai. Okay, sure. <laughs> Okay, so that was how it worked for you. Yeah, you go yeah. check pipe, and then you'd be like, ah, uh, there's no surf. Yeah, hey, can I work? Yeah, That's sometimes cool. they'd, they'd send me back to town oh, or do yeah. whatever, but but it was the best perfect job. You know, yeah. it was flexible. I got to be out and get stay physical, yeah, and sure. Um, sure. and I like helping people. It's, you know, it's it's a, it's a profession. Like, look at Galarmi now. You know, yeah. you know, it's like perfect look yeah. how many bodyboarders are lifeguards i know it's a it's a it's, ma- full, on. it's a full-on danny kim kind yeah. of mcgee yeah you know you just go down I the think line i saw freddie booth on a fred on a, booth on the, yep. the other day exactly yeah it's uh, really interesting and so i mean what do you put that down to like because it is a bit of a people phenomenon. want it everybody wants bodyboarders just want to go to the beach okay that's it <laughs> yeah i that's think it. so we just want to hang yeah it's not because we're exceptional water men uh, you know we are most of us I yeah so. i mean you know especially the, the situations you know you're used to being in heavy situations yeah. with fins on and yeah um because like tamiga i look at tamiga and he like he seems to be predominantly at pipeline yeah, I think he's there five days a week. Which must be the most intense one to be watching. I, I would imagine it's one of the more yeah. intense spots. Yeah, Waimea. Waimea as Yeah, well. just yeah. because of the, the clientele that show up at the beach. That's you know? true. That's true. Yeah. It is pretty nuts, actually. I went there for a swim the other day, and, you know, it's like a three-foot shore break, yeah. and it's smashing in, and people are getting photos right on the edge of it. Yeah. They can't swim. And, you don't, and you're not even, like, thinking about safety. Imagine, nah. imagine sitting up there and just watching this lady, let her little yeah, three-year-old exactly. kid go play in the shore nah. break. You're just like, no, don't do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In that, um, in that career as a, or in that moment as a lifeguard, were you, um, were there any intense, 
was it just as intense back then or even more intense? Like, do they have better gear today? Do you yeah, think, well, we had way less people come to the beach. Uh -huh. Like, just the, in the last 15, 20 years, the amount of people that are, are going to the beach. Yeah. You know, just people that didn't grow up at the beach. Yeah. You know, you're getting a whole different clientele. The mm. amount of tourists that are coming into Oahu is yeah. just way through the roof. And, um, yeah. but yeah, we did, like, when I started, we, we didn't have... There was no radios. No. There was a call box on the on the telephone pole at Aokai. Yeah, right. You know, you you went down the beach. You pulled the guy out of the water. It was you and your partner. Your partner was fucking having beers for lunch, and, <laughs> and you show up and and now you got to send somebody up there to call to call to, right, to get the ambulance. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. So Crazy. yeah, we had a lot less equipment, but at the same time, there's a lot less demand on on our on yeah. us. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, well, coming back to the career shift to, to, to becoming this professional bodyboarder, and I mean, what was the first moment for you? Like, what, what moment in time was there when you were like, wow, this is my profession? Was there a moment where uh, it got real? <clears throat> you know, I never really believed it all the way until I started BSD. <laughs> then, I got, then, I, then I finally had my, uh, control over my own future, you yeah. know, like, because, you know, every year you have to renew your contracts yeah. and stuff. But, um, you know, when I, when I really thought, okay, I'm going to put, like, some real true effort into it mm -hmm. um, was when I won, um, I won the two premier events in the same year was the, the Pro-Am and California, yeah. and then I won the pipe contest that yeah. same year. Sick. And so then from that moment on, it was yeah. like, I was like, oh shit, I can do it, you know? Yeah. And um, like I remember having a conversation with Mike one time and I was like, and this was like at the time when we were trying to, we're, we're both like going after the same sponsors, not yeah. only trying to win the same contest, but like we're, you know, we, we split off. He went to Scott and I went to BZ yeah. and, and um, and I go, God, you know, I, I just, this is hard. You know, we're making like 600 bucks a month. And I'm just like, you know, there's just not enough room in the sport for, for two people to get paid. And he's like, no, Ben, there is, there is. <laughs> like, you know, he was like, like, you know, I was expecting him to say, yeah, you should just quit and be a lifeguard. <laughs> you know? And if he said that, I probably would have just been, would have left, you know. Uh, so, lucky he was the optimist. Yeah, yeah, he was. He is a, he's an optimistic guy, it seems like he really, he's still really reaching out for this kind of future that he wants to see. Yeah, I and mean, the, I mean, we've, we've in some ways been able to formulate that future for ourselves. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, if I look back on it and I was like going to redo my life and you're telling me, oh, you can be a professional surf bodyboarder. Yeah. You know, if I knew everything I know now about how hard it is to make a living and all that. You know, I probably would have said, oh, I don't know. Yeah, right. You know, but, you know, I mean, I have everything from bodyboarding. Yeah. My wife, uh, you know, down to this house. Yeah. You know, everything stemmed from yeah. from being in the ocean. Yeah. Do you think, um, like, when you were bodyboarding and, and in this professional space, was it, I mean, you were obviously competitive, at, like, you were obviously competitive winning pipe and winning these comps, but you were you the most competitive guy in the water or... Or how did you how do you review your competitive? Yeah, right. Um, you know, for as far as like, you know, when I was lifeguarding, I trained a lot because yeah. we we're at the beach, so I used to run the beach, I swim a lot, so I stayed in good shape. Um, 
you know, obviously it's no, nowhere near the level of what guys are doing now. Mm -hmm. You know, they've taken, you know, what other sports have done and, and applied it to bodyboarding. Yeah. You know, I always thought, you know, when I first saw Epo do a ARS, I'm like, the guy, the next generation is going to have to have a, some sort of a gymnastics background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just, they're, they're, you know, and then I looked at it and I'm like, Phew. And a good chiropractor. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, just like, exactly. like that hurts. I yeah. don't know. It's not not why I started this, but um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I guess if it wasn't for Mike, uh, my competitive drive would have been less. Okay, like, like you know, I just, you know, I love to beat him. It was just like the best, yeah. and then everybody else loved it when I beat him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, you know, I just had this had this guy's like come on man you're the only one who can do it yeah you know and i'd just be like yeah right yeah, yeah. another interference coming my way <laughs> <laughs> i got more interferences i think than anybody but, that's crazy but uh, did, did, was, so i mean obviously mike was the main rival for you then in your career that's oh, yeah. fair to say oh, absolutely um, yeah one year we on the PSA tour, we both won every event. I mean, he won six events, I won five. Shit. And that was the whole, that was a whole tour. That's crazy. Yeah. That's that, crazy. That, and so, yeah, like, where are you going to find that? No. You know, what sport are you going to ever find a nice I, rival? I don't like think that? we've seen that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's intense. I mean, do you, but, but you are a competitive guy by nature? Um, you know, I didn't do any competitive sports growing up. No. Nah. You know, I was just always straight to the beach. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and it, it came down to, you know, you're taking food out of my mouth in a way right. too, right? You know, it's like there's, you know, there's, there's only a handful of guys that were actually able to make enough money that they could buy a house or they yeah. could, they could do it. And if you weren't in that top five guys, you were, you were just struggling. Yeah. So, um, by that nature, yeah, I, I was like, I don't want to go back to work. Yeah, Fuck exactly, that. exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, with the career then spanning, like you also managed to do some really amazing um, free surfing as well, because your your era was like the era of the first bodyboard films, yeah. you know, and some of the amazing trips that that you guys went on. And I think the one that really stands out um, there's a there's a particular um, trip the the kind of some of those classic shots i think they're in tahiti um some of the early tahiti trips you mm -hmm. were on right yeah and um i mean have you been back to that part of the world much no in, not really no. Huh? no not not after chopo got sold out yeah, yeah I, I was just you know and it and it, you know being from hawaii and having to you know at, at the point like so I got to go to Tahiti for almost 10 years without it being crowded. Like I surfed, I surfed like eight feet by myself with like a photographer who was scared shitless. Yeah. You know, and that's like, that's. And this is the chopper you're talking yeah. about, right? And, then, and then, I mean, that's heavy. People say how heavy the wave is when they're there with jet skis and everything, you yeah. know? And I was like, if I get hurt, this guy doesn't even know how to start the motor on my boat to get yeah. us back to the beach. So exactly. it's just like, it's like you're on outer space. You're like, you have no safety net. Mm. Um, and so, you know, going through all of that and having all that time, you know, and then now I look at it and, you know, and there's like 30 boats in the channel yeah, it's and this, I, it, I, and I, how much it costs to go down there and stay. Yeah. I'm like, you know, if I'm, I started doing the math, I'm like, okay, to go down to Tahiti is going to cost me 1500, two grand. Um, 
you know, then, so how many days do I have to work to make that money? Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, I could just stay home and not work for like three months. <laughs> so I'm like, that's an easy one. Yeah, that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah. But Bob, was it, was it, was it scary though on those days when you oh, were out there shit, on your yeah. own? Yeah. Yeah. It's an intense wave. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I mean, we, like I said, there's no backup plan. Mm. You don't have, you know, like... I think the first time Mike them surfed it, him and Tenberg, I think they surfed it first and, you know, Mike lost his board and Tenberg had to give him his board so Mike could get up over the reef to go fetch his board in the lagoon. Mm. Imagine Tenberg sitting out there just swimming around. And he said, it, he said it was legit eight feet that yeah. day. So getting off the reef, you know, it's just, crazy. yeah, it was just full adventure. Just, yeah. yeah. It was sick. Yeah. Um, was that... Um, if you were to choose between like the co competition highlights or the free surfing highlights, which which are the real highlights? Oh, it's just the the ability to be able to get up every day and go surf where I wanted to go surf. Yeah. You know, competition to me was, you know, I I, I think I squandered some of the best years of my life chasing competitions around. Okay. You know, like I could have been somewhere else doing something else, but I was in Huntington Beach fucking doing flopples and hand drag spinners yeah. you know just so that i could go and do what i wanted so you know we didn't really have the ability to to say oh i'm just going to be a photo surfer or whatever yeah. you know so that wasn't the ability wasn't there at the time the competition results did matter and That's, the income was from competition as well yeah well my income came from the sponsors who wanted me to go to the contest that's interesting so, so they saw the value in the contest back then? Yeah. Well, we were on TV. Okay. Yeah, we were TV on prime coverage. ticket TV. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Because today it's kind of a little bit blurred now, like, you know, the oh, free surfing professional. Totally really blurred, yeah. Thing and yeah, you know, you do your own little podcast. Yeah, well. You do like J-O-B does, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't need to go do all that nah, stuff. Yeah. Nah. And, I mean, he must be one of the highest paid surfers on the planet these days, you know, J-O-B. I mean, yeah, he seems it, to be doing really yeah, well. Yeah, and then you look at, and then you're also, you're able to go, look, here's how many people I reached. Yeah. You know, you become so an influencer cool. and all yeah, that yeah, rest yeah. of that I'm just learning about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know it, you know it. Um, so with, with, your, with your career transitioning, obviously there, there came a point where you went out on your own with BSD. What brought about that decision? Yeah, at the time? good. So I was, um, that was like the second year on the world tour. Uh -huh. um, and I had just been sent to Indo for a photo shoot with Bodyboarding Magazine. Yeah. And um, we were getting stung by jellyfish, and I had a, I was, uh, the first year I was um, on the tour, I was giving out leashes. I started making the BSD That's leashes. That's yeah, And so I was, I was like, oh, I got all these guys. Nobody's got leash sponsors. So I'm like, I just passing them out, and yeah. I was getting my team going, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I, I like this. And then I went on the trip, um, and I used my, a BSD rash guard. I got yeah. a cover shot. Yeah. And um, when I came back, my sponsor from BZ is like, well, if you're going to make these leashes and, and promote your own stuff, we're going to cut your salary in half. And I said, uh, were you interested in licensing out my, my making my boards for me? And they said, no. And I said, well, I can see the writing on the wall. Yeah. You know, and this was Jeff Hubbard was kind of like starting to, to make it, you know, come yeah. up. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen this this movie before. Yeah. And so I'm just like, you know, I'll be the first one into the market again, you know. And I'm like, fucking charge it, you know. And I 
my 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 model, my business model was, I I I would go back and do it again. I, I was at the time trying to get licensed manufacturers in all the different countries to make the boards, so that we didn't have to import them. That's and um, but Did it work? But it worked for a while. But like um, the guy from Fangs was my guy in Australia, uh -huh. and he went bankrupt. Uh -huh. And so that I mean, it had nothing to do with. My my business model, but it was just like bodyboarding is a tough market. You yeah. know, you, uh, the real hard, the real problem is the acquisition of materials. Yeah. You know, you can't just go to Clark Foam and buy some blanks. You know, you need to buy a container full of yeah. of plastics. Yeah. And um, you know, it just it just got complicated, and you know, the margins in the surf business are in. And soft goods, yeah. clothes and glasses and all yeah, that. Yeah. It's not the hard goods. No. So, <clears throat> you know, it's it's always been a bit of a struggle. I mean, I've never lost money in my business, but um, I can't say that I'm living on it now. Mm. You know, I, I've, you know, all the stuff that I learned, the business stuff, I took that and I took it into real estate. Yep. You know, and I bought bought this house. And then I built three studios on it. Yeah. And then now, now I get a, a income every month of more than I make from anything else. With the with that kind of step out of BZ at the time to to launching BSD, like that feeling. So that kind of confrontation you could maybe obviously it was a confrontation at the time with the guys who were saying that well, we're yeah. going to cut you in half if you're going to do this and you're like well you know, game on. Yeah. Was it an initial, like, were you immediately on the front foot? <laughs> Big time. Yeah. So, yeah, me, <laughs> me and my wife and my dad were living in my apartment yeah. in Wahiwa. Yeah. One bedroom apartment. My dad Shit. was sleeping in the living room. He was partner with me. And we were working 16-hour days. Shit. And just, and just, I just balls to the wall just like I did when uh, my bodyboarding career, you know. Yeah. And it, it was... It was taxing. I mean, I spent a lot of years. You know, I I enjoyed it. I've been an entrepreneur since I was in, yeah. in high school. When I was a when I was, I went to a really small high school, and they had a little a lunch counter. And I used to make tuna and egg salad sandwiches every day and take them to school and give them to the lunch counter. They would sell it, and I'd make you know ten or fifteen bucks a day from that. <laughs> give it to my friend. Take me to the beach. <laughs> And you were making, how old were you when you were making these that sandwiches? I was like probably ninth grade. That's crazy. But I had, I, I, I'd been delivering newspapers when I was in third grade. Wow. So I've. So you've you been know, an entrepreneur. For yeah, the yeah. I've always just like, you know, there's a better way to make money than to work for somebody else. Yeah, sure. I mean, sometimes it's good, but, you know, most of the time I, th I think I can do better than what, cool. what's offered to cool. me. So when you, when you went into the boards, because I'm, I'm now remembering... Which year was it when you were doing the leashes to begin with? Because I'm remembering. Yeah, okay. That was when I was... 94, 95. BSD yeah. board started in 96. That's right. Because I was 10, I was 12 when BSD boards came out. And I remember they were, they were revolutionary at the time. That's my opinion. Yeah. You, re you, you, you did these transitional rails, right? Yep. That was... I don't yeah. think I'd seen it done like that before then but i'm thinking i was only 12 now no nobody I, I came up with that actually i have yeah. the first board 
that JP shaped for me with yeah, the right. transitional railroad board, yeah. and it has a black bottom on it. Yeah, right. So that cool. that shows that I had I had the Mori boogie when we were writing for them. Give me these blanks. Yeah. I told them just laminate the top and the bottom on it, and, you'll and I'll that. cut the, the template and the tails and all that. Okay. And so we made a board out of that. I still have that board. Okay. So. You were were you always doing the transition? So this was when you were sponsored by Moray Boogie. So when you were no, getting no. These? I just I made the board, I wrote it, uh -huh. and this is when I decided yeah, I need to get off of these Mach sevens. They're too big. They're yeah. too clumsy. They're yeah. too rails are too big. Yeah. I'm I'm not big enough rider. Yeah. To handle it, like yeah. Mike and Daniel Kaimi yeah, guys yeah, are yeah. big enough they can manhandle it. Yeah. And now that so that sent me on my path of shaping. Yeah. Stuff. And designing. Yeah. So where did the inspiration come for the transitional rails? How did that develop? I actually had a surfboard shaped by Tonic Country that had a regular surfboard rail, but it came back to a beveled rail right in the back of the board. Yeah. And um, and I was like, I said, and I was, I'm just like, you know, I'm always pulling in and getting sprayed in the face. And yeah. I'm like, do I, I don't need, you know, they call them vacuum track rails. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to go slow. I want to go fast. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the fastest rail? And I'm like, look at these pipe boards. They got no rail on it. They go faster than anything else. It is crazy. And then I'm just yes. like, you know, just round the things off. Yeah. Right now I'm I'm riding boards with completely rounded rails. Yeah. No no flat front to back. Front to back. Really. Completely on the fastest. Are you noticing any fastest boards I ride? Really. Yeah. Even no, my, you're even not my noticing any slide out on the takeoff. You just no. got to use your legs. No, your well, I, I I combine them with channels. Okay, so you're deepening yeah. the channels. And then I think for somebody who's not proficient, yeah, you know, maybe they'll slide out. Maybe yeah. drop knee rider. Yeah, they have a little hard time. Yeah. But Dave Ballard used to ride transitional yeah, rail boards sure. backside at Shark Island. Sure. So I'm like, that's it's your fault that you can't ride it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the board. It's the rider. <laughs> yeah. But um, but that's cool. And like, I mean, at the time. Uh, if my memory serves me correctly, like the boards really took off, didn't they? When you first released yeah. the DSDs, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we did really good. Yeah. Um, you know, in the end, to bring the bring that full circle yeah. is, I ended up coming back to BZ to make yeah, to right. manufacture my boards. So uh -huh. I just got them to do a, a license agreement. When the person who told me they were going to cut my salary in half quit. Yeah. So I went back to them, and they made 600 boards, sent them to Japan, and Every single one of the boards delaminated. Oh. They had used the wrong materials. Oh. Every single board fell apart. And at that point, I was just like, I'm over it. I can't control the quality. Yeah. Even going to what I thought was one of the best manufacturers in the world. Um, well, that was what came to my mind when you mentioned about this distributed um, distributed manufacturing in the markets yeah. in which they're being sold. Because that's an idea that I've been thinking about a lot lately because yeah. I come from... The environmental space and for me if you can reduce the shipping yeah. of stuff you're right. reducing the environmental impact of the thing that you're selling exactly so was the quality control impossible it was, to it was not out? it wasn't necessarily the quality control what it what the problem was is uh, access to materials okay. for these small places like i like i went and talked to the guys at refresh in okay. spain okay you know and they have a small little factory they, they can make good quality boards. Yeah. You know, if I can go in there and show them how to make my boards, I yeah. can do it. But then I have to get also 
on the other side. So now you've got a manufacturer. Now you need somebody to, to take that to market. Yeah. And you can't expect a company who's already manufacturing their own product yeah. to, to put their stuff on the side and to, to start doing your stuff. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, and then you start dealing with all the stuff around the world. Um, you know, each, each. Do you think the marketing bit's getting sorted out a bit more though? Like, do you think like with well, social media and the way things are going, well, direct think, to consumer sales and stuff? So yeah, I mean, I'm still making custom boards. I yeah. still I still make custom boards every month. Cool. And um, and I don't do anything to promote that. It just it just comes. Well, you just did. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> 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 it's three or four weeks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, That's cool. I didn't realize you were still doing custom boards. Yes, obviously there you go. you're not communicating. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I can only handle dealing with so much. You yeah, know? sure. And like I said, I don't want to go backwards and have, you know, a, a problem with quality control sure. and all of that. Sure. Um, and then like, again, it's just hard goods. There's not a lot of money in it. Yeah. So you need to find representatives that are selling. Like you know, soft goods into the stores where they can come in and say, "Oh yeah, and oh, you, need, you need one of these yeah. too, right?" And so then you're always kind of still keep on the back burner. Yeah. Um, you know the the Mezes shop, you know, has really consolidated a lot. Him and Johnny Ye. So now instead of everything being diversified like the surf industry, where people mm. are shaping boards out of their back room and all of that. Yeah. You know, it's all kind of come into in one, one spot, factory yeah. and one set of materials and then it becomes harder to differentiate yeah. your product from everybody yeah. else and that's one of the i think it's good that we're touching on this subject because it's one of the things that's kind of because you know a few people already know the story of me but i was out of the sport for like 10 years i, I vanished for at 23 i yeah. had to go and um and i only just got back into it two years ago right. so and one of the things that blew me away was this this um as you said the consolidation of manufacturing and the, the, the very, the truth of the matter is, is that there's only a couple of factories in the world making 80% of the bodyboards. Right. And really the only difference is maybe some design differences yeah. and marketing, yeah. brand. And, um, but I can give you an analogy on that. And um, so what happened was, so we had, you know, we had basically more Boogie and BZ yeah. And Wave Rebel. Yeah. Kind of, and maybe a Custom X tubes kind of yeah. thing. And um, as that pie starts getting cut, mm. every time you cut a piece of pie, you lose some crumbs. Yeah. Okay. So every time you have to have another factory, another yeah. overhead, you know, all that, that pie is, there's a certain amount of profit available in that pie. Yeah. Whether it's one big piece or yeah. 10 small pieces. Yeah. Every time you lose all those little crumbs, you're duplicating the overhead. Yeah. And, you know, also the plastics business, they want to sell in container loads. Bulk. Yeah. And so, you know, it makes sense that it's gone to where it is. And, okay. And, and, you know, if that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. Because one thing I noticed about bodyboarding is that, People have come into the sport and tried to manipulate it and make it bigger or make it change, and it just fights back, and it just spits them out, and they just go bankrupt, and they just quit, and they go find a job, and but it that always comes back to this core of, you know, eh, kids are going to go to the beach, and once people learn to live within that means of everything, then then we're not going to be overextending ourselves you yeah. know like 
you know, kind of like what happened with uh, uh, Greg Taylor, and yeah. if, you know, he, he had great intentions. He put all this money into it to grow it, thinking that all these sponsors are going to come, and they didn't, and lost his ass. That's it. You know, and um, WSL is kind of going in the same direction. I mean, I don't think that's very well publicized at the moment. No, but I it's mean, not I think at all. The, the, the quiet stories are that they're bankrupt. It's, yeah, yeah they're millions of dollars in all. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that's. So then maybe a, a question that's looking at the sit, taking what you just said as the truth, mm-hmm. like the universal truth right. of bodyboarding in that I love the idea that there's guys who come in to try and do stuff and then it just bites back every time, it just fights back yeah. and goes back to its it, core. Because it, that's how I think it is as well. Do you think that your generation, which did have the, the boom period, mm-hmm. is that the exception and not the rule. Well, I think it was just a confluence of different things. You know, right. it was it was the '80s. It was the year of like rollerblades and just all these different <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, people are just like, oh, there's not just football and basketball. And, yeah. You know, then and so just so everything was up for grabs at that yeah. time, and everyone was buying but, uh, everything. Yeah, but I mean, you also got to remember what kind of shit bodyboards used to take. Yeah. Like. You know, I'm a Holly guy in Hawaii. That's already, I grew up like having to scrap all the time. Now yeah. I'm a bodyboarder, <laughs> Holly, and trying to get the best waves at Pipeline yeah. with Johnny Boy and yeah. Dane Kealoha and all these guys in the Good water. Um, and so there's just, you just, it's just a confluence. It's just, it came together at that time yeah. and that's, and it, it won't be repeated, nah. you know. And But the the good thing is, you know, now, People like you are having kids. Yeah. You know. Well, I haven't yet. I'm old. Well, you're, you're are. practicing. Yeah, yeah, I'm practicing. I'm trying right. to do as much right. as possible. Practice as yeah. much as you can. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. And so, you know that, and that whole vintage thing is is a response to that. It's yeah. like, you know, I, I get guys that call me up and go, you know, man, I haven't been in the water for ten years. I yeah. had the kids. I had to get a job. God, I just got to get in the water, but my back's sore, and I got to yeah. well, Don't worry, I'll make you a nice soft board. You can, you yeah. can get out there and and take your kids with you, yeah. and and you know, you'll you, if you take your kids with you, you're gonna go, you're gonna go in the water, even if you would have went to the beach by yourself, you yeah. would you'd be like, I'm not, I surf that crap, but you got your kid with you, you're gonna, you're gonna go in the crap. water, yeah. yeah. And just getting in the water and doing all that, then next time you go surf, you're like, oh, I feel a little bit stronger, a little yeah. better. And, yeah. you know, it's like, eh, it's not that cold. And, you yeah. know, and then, and then you start start getting back in. So I think I think that the, the movement, you know, it's maybe small, but it's 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 critical in in keeping bodyboarding going. And I don't I don't think bodyboarding will ever die. It just, you know, it just might not be financially what people think it should be or yeah i'm with you on that and and i mean one of the one of the classic because i was just thinking as you were saying about your you know you being a howley and then also being a bodyboarder and then also then trying to get waves at pipeline from these guys who are that pretty hardcore guys back yeah. then right yeah we didn't was, have video cameras to show when you get slapped in the head right <laughs> exactly i mean i was out pipe this morning um it was probably the most it was you know six to ten feet I didn't get one wave. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like it was the best pipe I've ever seen. It was just perfect every single Come wave. in frustrated. It's like going to a strip club, exactly. right? <laughs> there is an analogy there somewhere. And, and it was kind of like, but then I was, the thing that really struck me was that there were literally maybe four bodyboarders out there 
and it wasn't even the full light yet, like, you know, and it was yeah. literally, there were four bodyboarders. Now, Hub was one of them, and he was holding his spot, you know, he, he seems to be able to still get, get what he needs to get out there, and that's really cool, and it's good that the, the surfers are definitely showing the respect for him that I feel he does deserve, and, and that's really good to see. But the rest of us, we're just kind of part of the scenery, and that's fine. Um, when you were out there, I mean, how many bodyboarders in this time, like in a, in a good day at Pipeline, how many bodyboarders were out in the lineup back in the kind of middle of the 80s? Like when stuff? we were starting to break ground? Like, yeah, when really breaking like, ground. Yeah, like nobody, hardly. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it, was an, it was an advantage, though, at the time. because it was? Well, because there's like, if you're charging... Yeah. Like the guys are going to see it. They're going to know. Yeah. You know, you call a guy off a wave, you go if you're going over to Falls or not. Yeah. Like, you don't, you never want them to think, oh, he's going to call you off and then go. Because yeah. then you're just going to get dropped in. But being, you know, being one of only few that were really going for it. Yeah. You know, it was easier to be recognized and be noticed. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that was. When the boom started to happen, though, obviously more bodyboarders went to pipeline. Yeah. And, I mean, was there a period where the... Was there ever a time in your kind of memory where bodyboarding started to take over the joint and really start to hold the place? Or was, did it never quite get there? It was... It was kept in yeah, I think, you know, at the, at the closest, you know, it was kind of, a, you know, 50-50... No, nah, I wouldn't even say that, like a 60-40-30 okay, kind okay. of thing. Um, and, you know, I can remember being out in the water and, and watching Johnny Boy come up and just kick every single fucking bodyboarder out of the lineup and, uh, and just paddle up. Hey, what's up, man? You know, <laughs> just, that just, must have been a good moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he knows my wife's family, too, yeah, and stuff. Sure. So, you know, being, being from Hawaii helped. But, yeah. you know, the guys would just clear the lineup. I mean, just straight up, straight just up. walk up, not even say anything, just slap people. Yeah. You know, just like... Slap one or two guys, and everybody just be like, oh, fuck, I'm out of here. Heavy. Yeah, yeah, it was heavy. It was heavy. Yeah. yeah. Those days are gone. They are. They are. It's definitely a lot more mellow out there than what I remember, but it was no less crowded, that's for sure. Like, it was, it was still packed. It was yeah. really packed. This no, morning. I mean, that's when I kind of quit surfing pipe was, you know, I'd come in frustrated, yeah. pissed off, yeah. you know, and especially when you see perfect waves and oh. you can't have one, oh, and no. these kooks are... Get yeah. out of my way. That's hard. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. But um, I mean, for the for the best part of it, you know, like, is there is there one moment in your in your kind of bodyboarding life because you're still connected to bodyboarding today, right? You're you're really active in organising competitions here in Oahu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't realise, but you're still making some boards, so you're you're definitely still connected to the sport and to yeah. the pastime of it. Um, in all of your years of association with it. What's the, is there a singular moment that is kind of like your best moment in, in all of this long career in bodyboarding that you can point to? Anything that jumps out? Yeah, just be that, that, that year that I won the, the beginning, when I won, yeah. the, won the two events. Yeah. Yeah, and just kicked it off. And it's, that was just like, wow, look at, we had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, we just kind of threw ourselves out at it. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, yeah, I'd have to say that would be, yeah, that was like the moment where it's like, oh, okay. So the very beginning. Yeah. Almost, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I mean, you know, when I first started surfing Pipeline, um, 
guys were still not using leashes. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, I'd be sitting on the shoulder trying to get waves and, and a big set would roll through, you know, a 10, 12 foot set would roll through and clean everybody out. And I'd have the line up to myself for like two or three sets before the guys amazing. could collect their boards and come back out. That was pretty fun too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, hey, to wrap up, um, mm. a lot of the guys listening to this are going to be, um, you know, hopefully the new gen guys, but also I'm certain that there's a lot of vintage bodyboarder guys that are going to be loving to hear from you and what you've got to, um, got to say and sharing a bit of your story. Um, you know, we, we, ha- we were talking about them before we kicked off the podcast, but, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the phenomenon and what's your message to them if you've got one, you know? Uh, just keep getting in the water. Mm. That's it. Just find, find ways that, that you can just get in the water. It doesn't matter what, what wave craft you're on or where you go. Um, and, you know, and, and a lot of us lose the stoke, you know, I, 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 for a while, you know, I had to get a hip replacement, so uh-huh. I was not able to surf very much for like six, seven years. Wow. And, um, and I was young, so doctors wouldn't even give me the hip replacement. So I was just, you know, and then once I finally got my hip done and I got back in the water, then my eyes went out and I couldn't see shit. I can't, I couldn't see far, I couldn't see near. Yeah. So luckily I had cataracts. They pulled the cataracts out and they put new lenses in my yeah. eyes so I can see both ways. Yeah. And then I rebuilt my shoulder. And uh, so life's much better. Don't give up. Yeah. Yeah. Use the, use the medical technology. <laughs> keep get out you, of there. Keep you going. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, you only get one chance at this. Cool. We'll leave it there. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Glad to be here. Excellent. <laughs> 